there. Welcome on into the EP podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for joining me each and every day right here on the Zone Sports Network platform. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, iTunes, iHeart, TuneIn, uh, Google, Apple, uh, Spotify, on and on and on. Google Austin Horton EP podcast and there I be. Thanks for uh, giving me your ears, your attention, and your support. I'd appreciate it if you'd review it. Rate it, like it, share it. Can't get too many listeners, so thanks for uh, helping me out in that regard. Got a lot to talk about today. It is a Top 10 Tuesday edition of the EP Podcast, so that means we've got 10 stories coming your way from the sports world. Well, actually, to be fair, nine sports stories and one random story that we place at the fifth spot each week. The other nine are on a random wheel, and it tells us where we're going next. But we start each and every podcast out the very same. This day in sports history, with it being June 30th, here's the news that took place on this date in the past. 1978, first baseman for the Giants, Willie McCovey, hit his 500th home run and a 10-9 loss to the Braves at Fulton County Stadium. Of course, you know of McCovey Cove there in San Francisco. The Soviet Union in 1985, their national basketball team beat the Indiana Hoosiers rather, 74-54 to win the Kirin World Basketball Championship in Tokyo. 1986, Bo Jackson made his professional baseball debut with the AA Memphis Chicks. He played 53 games with Memphis before the Royals called him up in September of 86. 1995, Eddie Murray recorded his 3,000th hit with a single off of Twins pitcher Mike Tromley in a 4-1 Cleveland win at the Metrodome. June 30th, 1998, rather, Chicago Cubs right fielder Sammy Sosa hit his 20th home run in the month of June and a 5-4 loss to the Diamondbacks at Wrigley Field. That, of course, was the greatest summer in baseball history albeit with all the steroid problems. And 2016, June 30th, Coastal Carolina beat Arizona 4-3 at Omaha's TD Ameritrade Park to win the College World Series. And that's this day in sports history for the date of June 30th. All right, let's spin that wheel and find out what our first story is here on a top 10 edition of the EP Podcast. All right, first up, some news from the Brooklyn Nets. You've heard Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both confirm they will not be playing for the Nets in Orlando, aren't even traveling with the team. Well, you can now add Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan to that same list. Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan have both confirmed that they have tested positive for coronavirus and neither of them will return to play in Orlando. Lots of speculation surrounding the Brooklyn Nets in regards to these uh, pieces of news because there are some that believe this is weird. They each have plenty of time to recover and still make it down to Orlando in time for the season to resume. But you kind of just have to shrug your shoulders, throw your hands up and go, yeah, it's a personal decision that nobody can begrudge anybody else over. But that didn't stop some NBA players, including some jazz players, allegedly from uh, wondering about it out loud or publicly, at least on social media. So we'll keep an eye on that. I suspect these are uh, just a few of a soon to be long list of NBA players officially opting out. All right. Spin the wheel. See what's next. Speaking of opting out from professional situations, we'll get to some Major League Baseball Uh, news and notes here in just a moment but some sad news today 
as it became official, albeit not surprising, but it did become official that the Major League Baseball season has officially been canceled for the year 2020. Major League Baseball informed minor league teams that they would not be supplying them with players, and therefore minor league teams cannot have games. So 2020 has been shelved permanently for minor league baseball. Sad days, the Salt Lake Bees, the Toronto, or not Toronto Raptors, Ogden Raptors, Orem Owls, and everyone else around the country have to shutter their their stadiums for the time being. And my heart aches for those who aren't full-time employees, who aren't protected financially, the concessions, the the parking, the everyone who relies on their being baseball played. Uh, this is a big deal to a lot of different cities in their in the in the economy in those places, uh, and it's it's too bad. And along those lines, I wanted to read a few thoughts from uh, uh, Steve Klauke, the voice of the bees who uh, shared his thoughts on the matter today. He said, It's now official the 2020 season has been canceled. It seemed inevitable a couple of months ago, but the finality still hurts. I miss seeing the B staff, the team employees, and the fans that come out to the park or listen to the games. Hopefully a vaccine can be found so that games can be played in 2021 and in front of fans, whatever the limit may be. I also feel bad for the many players that will lose a season of development this year. Good luck to those on the 60-man squads that start workouts this week. Best wishes to those affected financially, ushers, team staff, concessions workers, parking lot attendants, etc. Here's to an on-time start to the 2021 season next April. Here, here, uh, Steve, my friend, and uh, God bless to each and every one of those people affected and impacted by the loss of the minor league baseball season. No word yet as to whether or not we'll be able to replay some highlights or classic games uh, on the radio this summer. We'll see how that goes down. All right, spin the wheel, see what's next. We'll share a list of Major League Baseball players opting out of their season coming up in just a little bit. But here on stop three is the story about Ian Desmond, who uh, plays for the Rockies. Did play for the, the Nationals for a long time, but Ian Desmond now with the Colorado Rockies, and he is opting out of the Major League Baseball season, and he's got very specific and unique reasons as to why he's opting out. He shared a lengthy uh, post on Instagram that detailed his reasons, and I just wanted to read a few of those things that he said uh, in a series of Instagram posts yesterday on Monday. Uh, Desmond, uh, it's important to note, is biracial. Uh, one parent is white, another parent is black, and he has been uh, on board and completely impacted by the uh, the movement, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, since George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery's murders. And here's what Desmond had to say on uh, Instagram. He said, a few weeks ago, I told the social media world a little bit about me that I never talk about. I started it by saying what, that, why that was. I don't like sadness and anger. I'd found an even keel allowed me to move through my days with more ease than emotion did. So I kept it inside. But that comes at an internal cost. And I could no longer keep a lid on what I was feeling. The image of Officer Derek Chauvin's knee on the neck of George Floyd, the gruesome murder of a black man in the street at the hands of a police officer broke my coping mechanism, 
Suppressing my emotions became impossible. In the days since I began sharing my thoughts and experiences as a biracial man in America, I've received many requests to elaborate. But it's hard to know where to begin, and in truth, there's a lot on my mind. Here's some of it. Recently, I took a drive over to the Little League fields I was basically raised on here in Sarasota. They're not in great shape. They look run down, neglected. When I saw a Cal Ripken Little League schedule tacked on a bulletin board, I walked over to check it out, and it was from 2015. The only thing shiny and new to my eye was a, US, was a USSSA banner, travel ball, showcases, so not so much baseball for all anymore, as much as baseball for all who can afford it. I walked around those fields, deserted at the time, and my mind raced. I stopped at a memorial for a man named Dick Lee, Coast Federal Head Coach and Manager, Sarasota Little League, 1973-1985. There was a quote from him on the plaque. Many men have cherished some of their greatest moments in life while stopping and taking time to reflect back on the young man they have helped develop young men they have helped develop rather from childhood into manhood with the ability to carry on in life in no other activity has man been able to see this greatest this growth better than he has in the heart and character of this nation to see our youth grow and develop in the knowledge and skills to play baseball is a reward that not only or excuse me the only one who has been involved with would know Baseball not only develops the physical skills of our youth, but develops a person with a knowledge of fair play while always stressing a desire to win. That great moment comes when you look at the final product and realize the job done. There's nothing more satisfying when watching these young men than hearing that familiar voice call out, Hi, coach! Transcending that special spirit of pride. Desmond then continued, I know it sounds simple to say, as a Major League Baseball player, that these fields were important in shaping my life, but I don't mean my career. I read Dick Lee's words, and I stood there, I read Dick Lee's words, and I stood there and I thought about when I was 10, and my stepfather dropped me off for a baseball tryout. He never came back to get me. Later, as I sobbed alone at the top of the bleachers, a kind stranger offered me a chance to make a phone call to alert my mom. I thought about the moment not too long after that when my coach, John Howard, seeing I was upset about an out or something, wrapped me in an embrace so strong I can still remember how his arms felt around me, how it felt to be hugged like that, embraced by a man who cared about the way I was feeling. Then another memory hit me, my high school teammates chanting, White Power before games. We would say the Lord's Prayer and put our hands in the middle so all the white kids could yell it. Two black kids on the whole team sitting in a stunned silence the white players didn't seem to notice. I started to walk the fields a bit and that's when I thought of Antoine. These fields are where I learned a game that I've played 1,478 times at the major league level. It started when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Exactly how old Antoine was, 12, when I met him at the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy in D.C. He couldn't read. He could barely say his ABCs. One morning when his mom was shuffling Antoine and his siblings off to their shuttling, or shuffling rather, Antoine and his siblings off to their aunt's house at 4 a.m. so she could get to work, they opened their door to a man stabbed to death on the ground. So no sleep, traumatized by murder, literally outside their door, eating who knows what for lunch, they head off to school, and they're expected to perform in a classroom. Meanwhile, my kids fly all over, all over the country watching their dad play. They attend private schools and get extracurriculum from learning centers. They have safe places to learn, grow, develop. But the only thing dividing us from Antoine is money. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Why isn't society's number one priority giving all kids the best education possible? If we seriously want to see change, isn't education where it all starts? Give all kids a safe place to go for eight hours a day, where their teachers or coaches are happy to see them, where they feel supported and loved. I went back to those little league fields because I wanted to figure out why they weren't thriving the way I remembered. What I came away with was more confusion. I had the most heartbreak and the most fulfillment right there on those fields, in the same exact place. I felt the hurt of racism, the loneliness of abandonment, and so many other emotions. But I also felt the triumph of success, the love of others, the support of a group of men pulling for each other and picking one another up as a team. I, I got to experience that because it was a place where baseball could be played by any kid who wanted. It was there, it was affordable, and it was staffed by people who cared. But if we don't have these parks, academies, teachers, coaches, religious institutions, if we don't have communities investing in people's lives, what happens to the kids who are just heartbroken and never get that moment of fulfillment? If what Dick Lee knew to be true remains so, that baseball is about passing on what we've learned to those who come after us in hopes of bettering the future for others, then it seems to me that America's pastime is failing to do what it could, just like the country it entertains. Think about it. Right now in baseball, we've got a labor war. We've got rampant individualism on the field. In clubhouses, we've got racist, sexist, homophobic jokes or flat-out problems. We've got cheating. We've got a minority issue from the top down. One African-American GM, two African-American managers, less than 8% black players, no black majority team owners. Perhaps most disheartening of all is a puzzling lack of focus on understanding how to change those numbers. A lack of focus on making baseball accessible and possible for all kids, not just those who are privileged enough to afford it. If baseball is America's pastime, maybe it's never been a more fitting one than now. Antoine was 12 years old when he started going to the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy, because that's when it started existing in his universe as a resource. We got him a tutor. He got into other programs and he learned to read. He was on the right track. He died when he was 18, shot 31 times in D.C. A 16-year-old kid was just arrested for his murder. It's almost safe to say that the best years of his life came from that academy, and yet the staff running it have to beg people to invest money and time. How can that be? Why isn't there an academy like that in every single community? Why does Major League Baseball have to have a specific youth baseball affiliation with RBI? Why can't we support teaching the game to all kids, but especially those in underprivileged communities? Why aren't accessible, affordable youth sports viewed as an essential opportunity to affect kids' development as opposed to money-making propositions and recruiting chances? It's hard to wrap your head around it. I won't tell you that I look around at the world today baseball or otherwise and feel like I have the answers. I don't. I'm not a perfect person. I kept my emotions inside for so long because it seemed easier to numb myself than to embrace the why behind my feelings. Doesn't it seem easier to just block it out when you walk down the street and see women clutch the purse at the side of you? To push it behind you when you find out your grade school had to hold a meeting for all the students to let them know you and your sister, two black kids, were about to enroll? To slough it off when someone makes a racist joke or suggests you must be an athlete because how else could you have a nice house? It forced me into a box. And in a lot of ways, I feel like everything in my life has been about boxes. 
I remember as a biracial kid, I dreaded filling out paperwork. I feared those boxes, white, black, other. The biracial seat is a completely unique experience, and there are so many times you feel like you belong everywhere and nowhere at once. I knew I wasn't walking around with the privilege of having white skin, but being raised by a white mother, an incredible mother, I never fully felt immersed in black culture. I almost always checked black because I felt the prejudices. That's what being black meant to me. Do you feel the hurt? Do you experience racism? Do you feel like you're at a slight disadvantage? Then check black. Even in baseball, I'm immensely grateful for my career and for all people who influenced it. But when I reflect on it, I find myself seeing those same boxes. The golden rules of baseball. Don't have fun. Don't pimp home runs. Don't play with character. Those are white rules. Don't do anything fancy. Take it down a notch. Keep it all in the box. It's no coincidence that some of my best years came when I played under Davey Johnson, whose number, lo- number one line to me was, Desi, go out there and express yourself. If, in other years, I'd just allowed myself to be who I was, to play free and the way I was born to play, would I have been better? If we didn't force black Americans into white America's box, think of how much we could thrive. The COVID-19 pandemic has made this baseball season one that is a risk I am not comfortable taking, but that doesn't mean I'm leaving baseball behind for the year. I'll be right here at my old little league, and I'm working with everyone involved to make sure we get Sarasota Youth Baseball back on track. It's what I can do in the scheme of so much. So I am. With a pregnant wife and four young children who have lots of questions about what's going on in the world, in the world home is where I need to be right now. Home for my wife, Chelsea. Home to help. Home to guide, home to answer my older three boys' questions about coronavirus and civil rights and life, home to be their dad. Signed, Ian Desmond. Uh, I don't have much of anything to to add to react with to to Ian Desmond's thoughts there. It's an it's an Im- impactful statement or, or uh, statements I should say from Ian, and it's humbling to hear about. Uh, A young kid, Antoine, losing his life at 18 years old. And what could we as society around him have done better to make sure that didn't happen? It's humbling and heartbreaking to hear of that. And it's humbling and heartbreaking to hear of Ian's experience of checking boxes uh, growing up. I've checked those boxes myself and I've never thought twice about it. But I'm white. And that's the whole point here. And I could not agree more with what Ian Desmond had to say about traditional rules, golden rules in baseball being more or less white rules. You you don't celebrate. You don't uh, have any fanfare. You don't have fun. You don't, as he said, pimp home runs. We need that stuff in sports. Regardless of race, we need more of that. It is a fun activity. It's a game. And we need more of that. And baseball is more... Uh, 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 guilty of holding people's expressions and personalities back than any other professional sport, maybe outside of golf. Golf and baseball, the old-time country club sports, as my college roommate used to call them, and what he meant by that was predominantly white, and he was right then, and he's right now, and Ian Desmond is right as well. So there you go, a bit of a heavy stop here on a Top 10 Tuesday but I thought an important one. Let's go ahead and spin it and see what's next. 
All right, did you miss the Jay Cutler story? It's pretty funny. Head to If Jay Had Instagram on Instagram, and you can watch all these videos and look at all these photos. Jay Cutler has got a bit of a chicken caper going on. He, he owns and raises chickens uh, there on his home, on his land, and he's got this Pollo Palace, which, of course, is chicken palace and it does it looks like a palace this this chicken coop is bigger and nicer than any home i've ever lived in any home i've ever stayed in any home i've ever entered foot in and it's for his chickens and yet they are being slaughtered every single night by an unknown predator he cannot seem to track down and it's just pretty funny go to his instagram not funny that these chickens are being slaughtered but how he's being uh, outwitted by this ghost phantom predator that he can't seem to find and, and get rid of and uh the the capers that he's having to deal with he's putting up cameras and he's putting up traps and he's staying up all night with uh night vision goggles and he can't seem to catch the predator it's a it's a folly of sorts and i encourage you to check it out and uh see what the latest perils of jay cutler's chicken farm is going through that brings us to stop five and that means it's time for your random story of the week this comes to us from observer.com and it is a list of 10 movies on amazon prime that bombed at the box office but our but their streaming numbers are really really high they start with bumblebee the latest Transformers movie starring Haley Stein, uh, Steinfeld, and it was good. It was a good movie. The budget was 135 million. The box office was 468 million. Not that's not a flop, not a box office bomb, but it was a financial step back when compared to the rest of the live action big screen Transformers franchise. Uh, I hate the Transformers franchise, but I liked Bumblebee. You can check that out on amazon prime right now you've got the last black man in san francisco budget of two million box office just over double that uh and the the author of this piece says what this movie is about is jimmy fails who dreams of reclaiming the victorian home his grandfather built in the heart of san francisco joined on his quest by his best friend mont jimmy searches for belonging in a rapidly changing city that seems to have left them behind there's a beautiful melancholy to the movie as it laments what once was while unfurling in such confident fashion that you'd hardly believe this was the director's debut. And uh, it says it's a tearjerker. It's a special one. I can't wait myself to check out The Last Black Man in San Francisco. 2018's Overlord. This was a World War II thriller that quickly turned into a Nazi zombie movie. And it was all about killing zombie Nazis. So who couldn't get behind that? Honey Boy, the more or less biopic about Shia LaBeouf and his uh, troublesome uh, childhood with his father and, and mother. Budget of three and a half million only made 3.3 at the box office, but it is it has rave, rave reviews. First Reformed. Uh, this coming I mean, at a three and a half million dollar budget made just four million at the box office best performance from Ethan Hawke some believe his best performance ever and it went completely unrec unrecognized by the Academy Awards in a year which false teeth won the best actor Oscar according to this uh, this <laughs> this author so if you're a fan of Ethan Hawke check out first reformed the lost city of Z 
$30 million budget, only made 19.3 at the box office, starring Charlie Hunnam, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Sienna Miller. The Lost City of Z is being, has been accused of being slow and boring, but the longer you stick with it, the more it pays off. Uh, it tells the true story of British explorer Percy Fawcett, who journeys into the Amazon at the dawn of the 20th century and discovers evidence of a previously unknown advanced civilization. I gotta be honest with you. When I saw this movie coming out, it looked really cool. Then no one went and saw it. It left the theaters, and I never saw it. I will watch this one. And uh, I'm not going to read all these descriptions to you. She-Rock is there with Samuel Jackson. Logan Lucky. You've got Channing Tatum. You've got uh, Adam Driver. And you've got Daniel Craig. It's a Steven Soderbergh. Therefore, it's amazing. I can't believe I haven't seen that yet. Boondock Boondock Saints, I should say. A legend. A Tarantino. $6 million budget. Only made thirty grand at the box office. Warrior, $25 million budget, only made twenty-three at the box office. And if you like Joe Edgerton, Tom Hardy, and Nick Nolte, this is a movie for you. And it's often called one of the most inspirational movies of all time. So there you go. Ten movies now on Amazon that have great streaming numbers but flopped at the box office. Let's spin that wheel, see what's story six here on a top ten Tuesday. All right, here's a list. Uh, there's there's a growing list, a running list, rather, of Major League Baseball players who have decided to opt out of the season. We already talked about Ian Desmond. Mike Leak, Arizona Diamondbacks. He's walking away from about $5 million in his final year of his contract. His agent told USA Today, during this global pandemic, Mike and his family had many discussions about playing this season. They took countless factors into consideration, many of which are personal to him and his family. After thorough consideration, he has chosen to opt out of playing. This was not an easy decision. He wishes the best of luck and health for his Diamondback teammates this season, and he's looking forward to 2021. Ryan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals is opting out. And uh, he sent this message after a great deal of thought and given my family circumstances, three young children, including a newborn and a mother at high risk, I have decided not to participate in the 2020 season. Everyone knows how much it means to me to be part of a team, and I will miss that camaraderie dearly this year. Of course, I would love to pursue back-to-back titles. I cannot speak for anyone else, but given the unusual nature of the season, this is the best decision for me and my family, and I truly appreciate the organization's understanding and support. To be clear, I am not retiring at this time. I have not decided on my future in baseball past 2020, but this year I'll be staying safe at home and pulling as hard as anyone for the guys to defend our championship. And of course, and Joe Ross of the Nationals also uh, opting out uh, of their of the of their contract of his contract in 2020, and uh, so on and so forth. So. There you go, uh, a running list of a few players who are opting out of Major League Baseball's return to play, and I suspect that list will only grow as the days go on and on. NBA news continues. The Nuggets have shut down their facility after two members of their 35 person traveling squad have tested positive for coronavirus. And along those lines, Commissioner Adam Silver admitted to Talk 100, a, a talk show. I don't know if it's radio, TV, or both, but he said, yeah, there's a chance that the NBA could experience another shutdown with the rising number of COVID uh, tests around the country, especially there in Florida. And it all is counting on, all depending on how tight 
and isolated, they can keep that quote-unquote bubble in Orlando. But I thought it was uh, eye-opening to see the commissioner openly uh, admit that, yeah, this thing could come to a halt again, given uh, the numbers. He says they're not full steam ahead because it's a day-by-day scenario, but the plans are still in place to begin play on July 30th. Staying on the NBA hit here, Matt Harpering was on the big show on Tuesday as Craig Bowlerjack filled in for Jake Scott. And uh, Gordon and and uh, Bowler asked Harpering about what unique circumstances there in Orlando fa- the Utah Jazz are facing off against and what he feels their chances are given the, the schedule ahead. So, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, and I'm going to warn you, as a good partner would, unlike uh, my friend Craig Bowlerjack sometimes <laughs> just dumps stuff on you. But, uh, the, the Jazz, when I saw that schedule, New Orleans, OKC, the Lakers, Memphis, San Antonio twice, and then Denver and Dallas. Uh, I know you're not into gambling, but Vegas has the over-under for the Jazz at four wins in those eight games. Uh, would you go over on that, or is there too much mystery in this whole thing to be able to really know? I, I think if I was able to guess and get the right answers, I'd be a lot more uh, I'd have a lot more money in my bank account than I do now, right now, right? I mean, you don't know. I mean, I, I'm interested to see how the, the non-home court – I know there will be an away team and a home team, but how – you know, I do think that's that's huge, and especially in a place like Utah, has always had a great home court advantage, and players talk about it all the time. Well, now everyone's kind of kind of be on an even playing field. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, you're going to get teams obviously fighting for the playoffs. You're going to get teams that you know might be in a different situation, like the Lakers. You know how how they already are, are a top seed. So how. You know, how much do they want to play minutes without limiting risk on injury? You know, so you don't know exactly, you know, what happens. It's kind of like March basketball sometimes. Bowler, we do games, and the next thing you know, it's like two guys are sitting out. You're like, where did this come from? Like, you know, so um, you just don't know. That's why you get prepared for every game, and the next thing you know, you put four wins out there. You might have six. You might have eight. You don't know uh, what happens with these teams and what the other objectives are to these other teams as far as who they want to play, who they want to get reps, who they want to kind of kind of slowly progress into into game shape. Um, but I do think this, and I'm not, I don't want to sugarcoat too much, because I do think the injury to Bogdanovich, is, is, that's going to hurt the Jazz. There, there's no doubt about that. He's a great player, and he's a huge part of the team. Now, can we have players uh, step up in his absence? And that's what you know the bench is for. And the Jazz have had a good bench this year. Hopefully that can continue. But there's going to be some uh, – some minutes that are going to be had and some and some points in production that are going to need to be increased by other players than just Rudy and, and Donovan. The Arizona Cardinals have cut a rookie receiver after he was arrested for allegedly driving into Lake Erie. Jeremiah Braswell, who was not drafted but later signed a free agent deal with the Arizona Cardinals, has been cut. He allegedly drove his car into Lake Erie while intoxicated. His blood alcohol alcohol levels on site done by a breast showed they were above the legal limit. According to a release put in Bay, police responded to a call around 6.30 at night on Saturday about a car that drove into Lake Erie. Police say an orange Camaro was off the embankment and in the water when they arrived and that no bystanders were injured during the incident. Witnesses also told officers that the driver was still in the car trying to drive it while it was in the water. When officers approached Braswell, he allegedly told officers that he was stuck and did not know what had happened. 
They said his speech was slurred, and he could not explain how his vehicle ended up in the water. He then submitted to the field sobriety test and was placed under arrest and later was cut by the Arizona Cardinals. Hope the, the young man gets the help he so desperately apparently needs and uh, hope his life turns around from this point on. All right, last story coming up right here on the Top 10 Tuesday, and that is just this bit of news out of the NFL. Cam Newton, probably the greatest quarterback in Carolina Panthers history, former MVP in 2015. Yeah, he's he's a, a bit eccentric. He is a bit of a prima donna. He he is he he's not a great leader. He is not dedicated to diving for a fumble in the Super Bowl. It's a business decision, he said at the time, to not dive after that football and risk injury. But he's still the greatest that has ever done it for the Carolina Panthers. Yes, he did request a trade, but he says that's because Carolina made it apparent and clear that they were not going to make him a priority anymore. Uh, He was shipped off. He just signed a veterans minimum deal with the New England Patriots. And the Panthers, who months ago should have paid tribute to Cam Newton with some kind of highlight video, they still have not. And our friend Josh Parcell from WFNZ there in Charlotte, North Carolina, posted this on Twitter. He reshared, he retweeted the video of highlights that Cam Newton had to share for himself to say thanks for his time in Carolina. Uh, Now, it's a very Cam Newton thing to do, to have that at the ready, to just play a a highlight package of your own plays. But it is kind of sad that the Panthers have not done anything by way of tribute towards Cam Newton yet either. And he's the greatest ever play quarterback for that franchise. Pretty strange. That's going to do it for a Top 10 Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow with an Acoustic Wednesday edition of the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Until then, please, as always, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. Craig Bolerjack will join us, and we'll talk some jazz basketball, and he'll solve the air pollution problem in Utah. Craig Bolerjack will tell us the best way to remove splinters, and Craig Bolerjack will join us, and he'll teach us how to make candles out of used kitchen grease. Craig Bolerjack will join the big show, and he'll teach us how to tie both shoes with one hand. Craig Bolerjack will give us the secrets to his killer tapioca pudding recipe. Craig Bolerjack will show us how to make emergency candles out of earwax. Bolerjack will join us and he'll teach us the correct methodology for our bikini wax. Craig Bowler Jack will join us and he'll take us on a tour of the stars in Hollywood. Bowler will teach us how to build a fire with pocket lint and a flashlight. Craig Bowler Jack will join the show and he will teach us how to fix that itch that so many people are suffering from. Craig Bowler Jack will join the big show and he's going to teach us how to polka. Craig Bowler Jack is in Vegas and he'll teach us the secret to winning at Pie Gal Poker. Craig Bowler Jack will explain to us in detail why he freezes his underwear during the summer months. Well, in honor of Pioneer Day, he will teach us how to churn butter and maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe square dance. Jazz play-by-play man Craig Bowler Jack will join the big show and he'll teach us more lawn maintenance. Craig Bowler Jack will join the big show and he will teach us the appropriate way to wield a banana knife. Craig Bowler Jack, the voice of the jazz, will join us, and he will, folks, 
teach us how to twerk. TV voice of the jazz, Craig Bowlerjack, will teach us how to sing a cappella. Craig Bowlerjack will join the big show, and he will teach us to play the fiddle and bang the drum. Craig Bowlerjack will join the big show, and he will teach us how to pick out, how to punch, and how to carve a pumpkin. Craig Bowlerjack will join us. He'll teach us how to whistle with a dry mouth and chapped lips while paddling a canoe upstream into a 50-mile-per-hour headwind. 